goofing around, and it's fun. But I had a uh, can. I had a can of uh, Monster Chaos energy drink, to be precise, is what it was. And it was sitting on the table. And I just distinctly remember in front of, you know, as people are coming in, and there's people at the table, and Kylie... uh, had this very unique voice as a, as a uh, kids lose their kid voice. It's the saddest day when kids' voices changed from like their little kid voice to like their, like, well, like our annoying voices are now. Um, and it's a sad day, but she had this really high pitched kid's voice that almost always was like emphatic and, and, and yet questioning at the same time. And I remember she, she walks up to the can, right? And she, <laughs> she picks up the can and says, Daddy, is this your beer? <laughs> Which is a great when you're in the middle of the church and, and your kid's like, oh, is this beer? We having beer here? So that was a good, that was a good little kid story there. Um, things our kids never let us live down. <laughs> so uh, hopefully the child that will be up in front of the church today doesn't say anything quite so embarrassing. I have, I have been quite assured that he'll be very silent. He doesn't say a lot. Um, so that'll be fun. Today we're going to talk about something. We have our, our first. I love the fact that we're a a newer church, we get to have lots of firsts. Firsts are very exciting. This will be our first, uh, what most churches would call, baby dedication, but what some churches might call a christening, or what other churches might call, for some reason, a baby baptism. So lots of options for questions there uh, today. We, uh, we do do questions at our community groups, so if you have any questions, you can feel free to use Twitter, hashtag AskMDNJ. That's not a joke. We actually do do that. Um, and uh, also, if you have our Slack app, you can use that as well to ask questions. So there'll be lots of questions there you can ask. We're going to call it actually a parent's vow. Um, that's the title of our sermon today. Um, because it's a first, I thought I'd take the opportunity to actually t- talk about what it is. So the fun part is Mandy and Lou, who, will be dead, who are looking to uh, make their vow to baby Lucas this morning, haven't heard the sermon yet. And I actually texted Lou this morning, and I said, Lou, by the time the sermon is done, you may not want to do it. Um, because we're going to have lots of Bible here, and you know, you might you might want to rethink this whole thing. Um, and then at the same time, we have lots of parents in the room that we have. We are a church blessed blessed with about as many young kids as we do <laughs> sometimes have adults, which is great. So also, parents, be thinking about it as something you would also like to enter into as well. Um, finally, church family, as we go through this sermon, you're going to have an opportunity to also make a vow this morning. So it's also important for you to be listening to the words of God and what they actually mean. All right, so <clears throat> some churches um, do this in, in several different ways. Usually this is like a, a maybe a more introductory part of the service where um, the pastor will maybe say some some commitments with the parents before the service starts. They'll bring the parents up and they'll bring the baby up and before the church they'll make some commitments um, and, and that's how it's done maybe in some of your people that have been through maybe a more conservative, uh, maybe more Baptist or Bible type church. Um, if you've been to a more liturgical church, maybe you've been to Presbyterian, Catholic church, Episcopal church, their ceremony is going to look a lot differently. They don't necessarily do what would be called a baby dedication. They'll do a baby baptism, right? Now, fortunately, no one does baby immersion baptisms because that would be really bad if you actually did the whole immersion in the water for babies. It's not so good. They don't breathe water well. But usually they'll, like, pour some water. There, There'll be a basin. They'll pour water over the baby's head. Um, and each one of these things actually, they tend to symbolize things a little differently. So for us, what is it going to mean at our church if we're going to have this idea of dedicating our children? What does that mean? 
because it, it, all, it, it all means something. But it has to mean something specific to those doing it. So for us, what I want to unpack is what is this going to actually mean for Missio Day Church? And in turn, what is going to mean for Mandy and Lou? It's always nerve-wracking when the mother leaves with a child that you're going to dedicate. Okay. <laughs> She's like, I'll be right back. I'm like, you better be right back. Okay. <laughs> so I want to talk first, what is it? Our first point is, what is it? What is this, this thing that we're actually doing? I'm going to take you to Numbers chapter 30, verse 2. What is a vow? What is this going to mean that we're going to make today? And what it turns out in Scripture is it's actually really, really a big, somewhat of a big deal. Okay? It's something of a big deal to make a vow. In Numbers 32, 30, verse 2, it says this. If a man vows a vow, and is redundant, to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So what exactly is this vow? Obviously, to God, it's very important. If you're going to say you're going to do something to God, he considers it really important. We'll look at another verse later that shows us how important he considers it. But to call it a vow, we have to understand what it's not. So in our church, we use terms like the word covenant. Is it a covenant? Um, One of the things we commit to Amnesty Day Church is to be part of a covenant family. We look at entering into your your agreement with your church as covenantal. Covenant stretches all the way back um, to to what God actually set forth um, with Adam. It stretches back probably more familiarly for all of us to what he set forth with Abraham, right? Abraham would be one of our figures of history for, for our faith. He's also one of the figures of history for the Jewish faith. He's also one of the history, figures of history for the Islamic faith. They all will go back to Abraham. And what the covenant that God makes with Abraham is that he would actually bless Abraham and make him a great nation, the father of a great nation. He would actually have multitudes, right, of children. That was, that's the Abrahamic covenant, that out of Abraham's line, God would call his people to himself, which is great news. It was a covenant that God made with Abraham that God was going to fulfill whether Abraham could fulfill it or not. We also know covenant from like marriage, right? Marriage is a covenant. Now in our day and age, we look at it more as a legal contract, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says marriage is a covenant. A covenant is actually, in its loosest definition, would be an agreement between two or more people that they will each uphold the agreement despite what the other person does. So for Abraham and God, God said, I will make a covenant with you that I will make my people come from you. You will be a great nation. That's his covenant. God's going to uphold that whether Abraham does his end of the bargain or not. Abraham's end of the bargain was, you know, obeying God. That was pretty much it. He had to leave the land of his family. He had to go to the land God told him. That was his end of the bargain. But God was going to keep his word no matter what. In a marriage covenant, a man and a woman come together and they say, I will covenant to be your spouse. And what that means is for the man, he will love the woman despite what the woman actually does. Whether she upholds the covenant or not, it's not reflective about what he must do. And the same is for the woman. The wife will come and uphold that covenant no matter what the man does. Obviously, I want to be clear here, there are issues that occur. Okay? 
there are issues of safety. There are very serious things that happen inside of a marriage that would cause the covenant to not be adhered to. But the idea of a covenant is that it's not dependent upon superficial circumstances that adjust. It's going to be what I have committed to despite them, actually. That's what a covenant is. So this can't quite be a covenant. Because as we come up here and two parents have a baby, Lucas is not going to be like, I totally agree. There's not going to be two or more people making this covenant. There's not two sides, really. All right? This is going to be parents and, and their baby and what they're actually committing to for their child. So this, isn't, this isn't a covenant. And, it's, and is it a promise? It's not quite a promise, right? Like, we promise a lot of things, Right? Whether we keep them or not, that's a different story. One of the things you have to be very careful with as a parent is not to promise certain things, right? All God's parents said, amen, right? Because you can't promise something to a child and then not remember to fulfill it. So I just try to avoid promising altogether to my children because I don't want to fail my children and have my word become null and void, the same is true, actually, at our elder meetings, where I also try to avoid committing to anything in particular so I don't fail. Pretty much, I say, don't make commitments, and you won't break them. Um, just remember that for later, everybody, as we're going to look at making vows. <laughs> so, so it's not quite a promise, because we tend to treat promises lightly. And so it is indeed what we're going to call a vow. Now, even in the passage we just read from Numbers, there was the word... Um, oath as well, you can actually kind of use them interchangeably in, in the Hebrew. They're two different words, all right? But when God spoke of oaths and vows, when, they, when you made a vow before God and others, it actually became an oath. So in the levels of hierarchy of importance, vows are just below oaths, oaths are below covenants, and promises are down here somewhere, all right? So if you wanted to make a promise to somebody and you wanted to make it like stick, you would, you would make a vow to them. But then if you wanted to make a, a oath to somebody, you would actually invoke God. Now, if you made a vow in front of people and God, that became an oath. And if you made a covenant, you were strictly bound completely by the agreements in terms of the covenant. You follow me? All right, so we're sticking this is a vow. This is definitely a vow. But a vow becomes an oath in the Hebrew language when you make it before people and God. So it's actually also kind of an oath. You can use them interchangeably. But we don't talk about oaths a lot, so I thought we'd stick with vow. We know vows, right? In a marriage ceremony, we exchange vows, right? Now, when you exchange the vows, that's the part of the ceremony where the man, I'm going to keep stepping on things. I already hit the projector. Maybe I should move. I'll just, there we go. In the marriage ceremony, right, the man looks at the woman and he makes a vow to her. That is his word that he will uphold to her, right? It's not just a promise. It's more than a promise. It's before God and people. It's serious, right? The same for the woman, right? And they become husband and wife having exchanged vows. So it's a vow. But that begs the question, I think, for a church to understand, why? Why do we need to make vows? And the answer for this is simple. I literally am going to give you no scripture on this. This is very simple. We make vows because of sin. Sin is why we make vows, all right? If there was no sin, we wouldn't need to make vows. We wouldn't need to make our promises more important because whatever we said we would do, we would just do. The problem is we don't do what we say we're going to do, right? We all agree. Sometimes we give our word, and then we don't do it. 
That's why we make vows. It's actually why we make promises. And then that's why we make vows. And then that's why we have covenants. Because we don't keep our word. It's why we have, like, a whole system of law based upon contracts. It's contractual law, right? That's, that's what, we, what we do. Because people lie. They're, we're just, we're nasty people. <laughs> right? I literally, I, I could lie to you about anything. I will make sure I, oh, jeez, we're doing some marriage counseling right now. And, um, and I said I would get them some questions. And I did not get them questions. Until they reminded me, right? Like, that's something little, but I totally, I totally missed the ball there. Now, like, I didn't say I promise because I'm not stupid. <laughs> but I still, I, I said I would do something I didn't. Our word is broken all the time. And so we kick it up a notch by saying, I promise. Look, I promise. I promise I'll be there at 2 o'clock. And then 2.30 rolls around, and then you show up, right? So we make it because we sin. Sin is literally missing the mark. And so by not keeping your word, you're doing a very simple thing. It's when we know very easily you are lying. A bunch of liars, right? You're lying. If you, don't, if you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, it's a lie. Now, what's great is most people are very forgiving about lies because we actually do identify the fact that we're all very good at lying. So if you say you're going to be somewhere at 2, 30, 2 o'clock and you're there at 2.30, most people don't kill you. Like, oh, okay, it's whatever it happens because, you know, they're going to extend forgiveness to you because they, you know, they love you and they cover it up with love. That's biblical too, all right? You keep doing it, though, and they're going to have to have a conversation, so just get there on time. That's the, that's the moral here. You sin, I sin, so we make vows, and that is not just I promise, but look, I swear to God, right? That's the phrase. That is literally the phrase. What follows that phrase is the thing that we, everyone then assumes, oh, they're going to do that. I mean, they swore to God. Right? Has anybody ever done that? You can show hands. It's a safe place. Anybody ever sworn to God? Okay. Anybody just accidentally, you didn't mean to say it, but it just slipped out like, come on, man, I swear to God. Right? No? Anybody? It's okay. It's okay. It's a safe place. All right? Now, think about that. Did you, did you get it done? You don't have to raise your hand on this one. Just keep your hands down. Everybody just be, did you get it done? I mean, that's a vow. And we use it so, like, loosely. It's because of sin why we make vows. It's supposed to take our words and put onto them an actual deification of the importance that we are making, the statement we are making. Now, for those of you that are well-learned in the Bible, maybe you've grown up in church, uh, if, you've, if you are, fall into that category, um, in fact, I think this should fit well for our ladies uh, who are actually currently in the middle of a study of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Is that correct? I am correct on that. Um, so as you're studying the Sermon on the Mount, this actually may have already cropped up. I'm not sure. Did it already, already crop up? No, it does not crop up yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> you'll get there. Um, there's a, a particular passage that should be striking your, your Christian mind right now because we're talking about making a vow. We're talking about making a vow before God and men, which in the Hebrew language ratchets it, ratchets it up to an oath. Doesn't Jesus say something, right, about not making oaths? That's what you should be thinking if, you, if, you're, over, if you're overly educated in the Christian world. Plus, you should be checking up on me. Am I really saying the truth? It's important. It's in the Bible. We have to be, if I'm not saying the truth, then it's a big fat lie. I, don't, I shouldn't be standing here. Jesus does say something to answer your question about not making vows and oaths. 
What does he say? Let's, let's look at it. It's in Matthew 5. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Oh, look, it's already up. Matthew 5, 34. These are the words of Jesus. He says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Now, he goes on to say more here. It's actually an explanation, but I just wanted to prove to you. Jesus says, don't make a vow or oath. So the question has to be, if you're telling me this is an oath, a vow that we're making, and if you're telling me that apparently we're going to be making a vow and oath by the end of the ceremony, but Jesus says not to, the question should then be, why are we making a vow? Why? Why are we doing this? Maybe another question. Why did Jesus say that? Why did Jesus tell them not to make a vow or oath? Why does it say back in Numbers, and by the way, throughout the, New Test- the Old Testament, to make these vows or oaths, but then Jesus in the New Testament shows up, and he says, don't make any vows or oaths. Why? Why would he do that? Anybody know? They kept breaking them. Oh, my goodness. It's like sin creeps back in, right? He says, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You've forgotten what you're doing. And they had. They had absolutely forgotten it. Sin is the reason he told them not to make vows. Now, sin is the reason we also we make vows, so this becomes confusing. We make vows because our word stinks. <laughs> and we don't make vows because our word stinks. What happened was people were actually making vows so frequently. They had actually started to abuse the name of God, right? which our culture is good at doing. We tend to do that really well. They started to abuse the name of God, right? They would say, I swear to God that I will get you that money by Thursday. And they would literally start swearing to God. And then what would happen is, here's what would happen. He describes, Jesus describes it. They would break their vow. And they would say, no, 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 I didn't swear to God. I was swearing, and what I really want to do here is break out in the song, right? They were saying, I swear by the moon and the stars in the sky, I'll be there. No, anybody? I'm not going to sing it because that would ruin the song. All right. They would say, no, I swear to you by the moon or the stars. They would, they would, they would say something, some other celestial body. They'd say, no, I swore to you on the life of my goat. They would, they would say, no, I wasn't actually, I didn't mean God when I said I swore that to you. I didn't, I didn't mean I swore by God. I meant I swore by, and they would fill in the blank. They would then water down this serious, serious thing that God had placed on them. And he says, so you know what? Don't even do it because you don't do it right. Now, what we know about the Bible is there's, there's three principles God often gives out, all right? And when we look at anything, we need to be thinking, what do we do with it? So as Christians in our church here, what we believe is, is an, an emphatic that we believe is in the idea of Christian hedonism. Now, hedonism is a word you probably associate uh, with uh, inappropriate resorts around the world. Hedonism actually is simply the pursuit of pleasure. And we believe that as creations of God, he actually wants us, he calls us to pursue pleasure absolutely as he has given it. Absolutely. That is what we are all about. All right? All God's people said, amen. This is the fun part where you get to say it because we do absolutely pursue pleasure. The reality is we pursue the pleasure that God has given Literally, if God created all this stuff, everything works as he intended it to. So when we find out what God intends it to do, we can use it for its perfect purpose. That brings the most joy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. That's the idea. All right? Eternity begins now and moves into eternity. All right? So as Christian hedonists, we have to ask these questions. Do we reject, receive, or redeem? All right? With everything. All right, if something comes up, do we reject it 
like does God say we don't do it, right? That's something that we reject outrightly, all right? Do we receive it? Is it something that God has already said is good, so we take it in? Yes, we love this. Let's use this, right? God has given this as a wonderful gift. We receive. Or do we redeem? That is, that God has given us something that maybe is, he has struck it as morally neutral, right? Maybe it's not anything that is, is bad or evil. And maybe because of the world, it can be used as evil, and we can actually redeem it. That is, pull it back into God's kingdom. Redeeming is literally buying back out of bondage, to buy it out of the slavery of sin and death. So here with Val, what we're going to do is we're going to redeem, all right? We're going to redeem because God gave it as something good that the world then twisted, we, we being the world, twisted it and broke it. And then we're going to now use the redemption that God has given us to buy it back. We're buying back the word Val, all right? This is a good day. We're going to redeem something today. We're going to redeem the word Val and make a vow. So as we look at these concepts and we begin to pull it Back, I want to give it to you in some pretty simple forms so you understand that they are okay. So these are going to be instances, not just from the Old Testament where we see that vows are clearly good, not just from where Jesus says, you guys don't even care about vows, just stop making them, you're ruining what they have been intended to do, to then we're going to see that they actually are redeemed in the New Testament as well, even past Jesus, as Jesus has come and fulfilled the law, died on the cross for our sins and saved us from sin and death, that vows can actually be used well. So, here, but are they okay? Here's the answer. Yes, they are. I'm going to give you two passages. Hebrews 6, 13 through 16 says this about vows. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by, since he had no, let me try again, reading is difficult. Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. The writer of Hebrews here tells us, I'm going I'm to pull that back, but at the end there he tells us very clearly, an oath or a vow made before God and man is final for confirmation. That is, that the oath is the final word. When you say that, it is so. This is after Jesus is resurrected. Oaths are still a thing. Making these vows are real, and they're very, very important. And what he unpacks there, and I included it in the notes if you want to, is Genesis twenty-two sixteen. 16. It's actually where God does swear by himself. What he says is we always swear by something higher than ourselves because to swear by, by yourself or lower than yourself would be stupid. It gives, this, it gives your oath no val- validity, no meaning, no essence. And so God was going to make an oath, and he said, I swear that I will do this by me, because there's nothing higher to appeal to than God. And in doing that, it was his final word. It was the confirmation completely of the promise that Abraham had obtained that we see the result of. God called from Abraham's line to himself a great nation, a nation of his children, He began it with the nation of Israel and has completed it through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, saving many to himself. And they have become heirs, literally his children, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. So that is the fulfillment of that that, that promise. And in Hebrews, after Jesus resurrected, we see him still confirming that when you make an oath to God, it is the final authority. It is the thing you hang your hat on. Not just that, but I'm going to read Acts 18, 18, too. Now, we went through Acts, so this, sure, this verse should kind of be a little 
it should be somewhat familiar to you. Um, in Acts 18, 18, we're going to talk about Paul here. It says, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Sincrea, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. So this is Paul, right? Saved, redeemed, loving Jesus Christ, serving him, literally being a missionary for Jesus all over the place, right? Constantly getting persecuted, beaten, right? Thrown in jail. We remember Acts. We went through that whole book. Here it's actually saying that even here, while it's going on, he still kept vows. These would actually not have just been vows inherently built into a Christian structure, but also built into his Jewish roots, So he maintained vows because vows were very important. I feel like I've driven this point home well. Do you have a good grip on this? Yeah? All right. All right, good. So what we're going to do today is we're going to make vows. But I need you to understand. This is it. This is the last point. This is serious. Which I want to say like like the little duck from... Wonder Pets, for those of you that have kids. If you have kids, you'll know Wonder Pets. And if you don't, go home and Google that. Google that thing on YouTube. I forget what the duck's name is. Ling Ling. There we go. Ling Ling the duck. He had a little bit of a lisp, and he would say, this is serious. Only they would sing everything. This is very, does that make it less serious? No, no, no. This is serious. Are you sure you still want to do it? All right, two, two, two verses. All right, Proverbs 20, 25 says this. It is a snare to say rashly, it is holy, and to reflect only after making vows. Um, here in Proverbs, the point is, what we do is we can make a vow and then think about the vow we made. That's not what you should do. When you make a vow before man and God, think about what you're saying before you make that vow. Is it really what you mean to say? Because if it's not, you should be concerned. And it, literally, in the Old Testament, it actually says that when you make a vow before man and God and don't keep that vow, it is sin to God. Whoa. In fact, right, he actually says in that same passage, so if you don't make a vow before man and God and don't keep it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. He didn't make the vow before man and God. It's not a sin. Even if you just had a desire to keep that word or do something intentionally and you don't do it not a sin but when you say no i vow before god and man that i will do this and then don't do it sin big deal so think about it before you make it uh, psalms twenty two twenty five says this from you comes my praise in the great congregation and here's the fun part my vows i will perform before those who fear him So here, literally, David says, if I'm going to make vows, I'm going to make them before God and man because he is worthy of praise. And I'll make them before the congregation. So literally, that's what we're going to do today. I mean, if you still want to. See, look, it's got regrets already. Total regrets. So parents, all parents, this is what it means. We We would love to have a whole bunch of little vowed children here. But think about it first. Now, I, I had already spoken with uh, Lou several times about what this whole process is and what it means and that it is indeed going to be a commitment that you're going to have to make, right? 
I gave him the good news. I gave him, I gave him the good news. The good news is you don't actually have to memorize any lines. So there's no lines to memorize. So, and you don't have to make them up. You simply have to say, I will, right? That's pretty simple. So they, they had an idea going into this that there was going to be some sort of commitment they were going to make. But it's a serious one. All right. Is everybody ready to do this? Who's ready to do this? I don't know what you're saying if you're pointing at me. You're going to go get people. You get people. All right. I love you. Uh, today is my anniversary. I've been married for 12 years to the most wonderful woman in the world. So there's that. And now I'll be totally overshadowed by a beautiful couple and their gorgeous child coming up here right now. You can really, you literally can stand up and come up front. Oh, my gosh. This is going to happen. Uh, I have four, this is great, four vows for you to make. Four vows. And then I have a fifth vow for all of you sitting down. You're not off the hook. Oh, he's so sleeping. It's so great. <laughs> Look, give him a dad. You want to wake him up? Do you want to sit down? It's four vows. Okay. All right. Um, I have the vows up on the screen. So for those of you that would like to see them, you can actually see them. Um, I'm going to read them, very simply read them. Your whole job right now is to listen and respond. I will. We will. If you want to say we, that's totally acceptable. All right. But listen, because you don't want to say it, don't say it. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> the four vows actually reflect this way. Um, the first vow will be to Savior. The second vow will be to spouse. The third vow will be to church. And the fourth vow will finally be to the child. Each one of these vows actually has immense weight over making a vow to little Lucas. All right. So here's, here's the vows. First one, to Savior. Do you dedicate yourself to wholeheartedly pursue your relationship with God by trusting in the finished saving work of Jesus Christ and depending on the Holy Spirit to guide and direct your life, knowing that the life you model will shape your children even more deeply than the words you say? Do you dedicate yourself to faithfully pursue a vibrant relationship with your spouse, sacrificially loving each other, dating each other, prioritizing each other over your work and children, and seeking help and guidance from your church family to help your relationship thrive, knowing that one of the best gifts you can give your children is a joyful, godly marriage? To church, Do you dedicate yourself to actively participate in the church community, investing in people, learning from friends, and using your gifts for the sake of Jesus' kingdom, knowing that your children need input and examples from the church family in addition to your family? Finally, the one to little baby Lucas. Do you dedicate yourself to raise your children with biblical love, instruction, and discipline? Will you take every opportunity that life gives you to diligently teach your children to love the Lord Jesus and observe all that he commanded, knowing that your primary responsibility as a parent is to train your child to be Jesus' disciple? All right, finally, everybody else, this is a response, all right? Listen, listen. If you're silent, I won't judge you. Do you dedicate yourself to the effectual encouragement of Mandy and Lou to pursue their Savior? 
Will you seek to strengthen their relationship with each other and hold them to be known in our community? Will you be open in your relationship to Lucas so that as you live in community, he will see the life of his parents' vows also reflected in you? He made a list, everybody. I'm going to now pray for both of you and little baby Lucas and us as we've all made vows and also you're getting tired. A great job. Dear, dear Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for life. You give each of us new life in Jesus as we come to know the truth of his salvation. And so when we see this little baby here, we know again what that new life looks like, that you have loved us so as we see Mandy and lose love for baby Lucas. It's inexplainable how we love our children, and that is how you've loved us. We are so thankful, Jesus. I pray now as Mandy and Lou have made this vow before you, and before their church family, and before their family, that they intend to keep, that you would indeed would be the power and authority of the vow, giving them the energy, the courage, and the strength it takes to actually fulfill these words. I pray for your church family. I pray for their family as they have also committed to upholding these truths, these principles, and these vows that they have made, that we would be faithful to you to love Mandy and Lou well, and that at the end of this, the fruit is that little baby Lucas would be a part of your kingdom forever. We thank you for these things that we've been able to think on, these words that we've been able to commit to, and I may that they have been a holy sacrifice that is acceptable to you. We ask these things. We pray these things in faith and in your name. Amen. So um, as we, just in case you're wondering, that was respond. What we did there was we read something and they responded, right? And then we read something and you responded. So respond is done. That's the end of the service. I didn't get to put that in there. Usually there's respond time. You've responded. Good job. Okay? Even though weeks you don't, you did it this week. Um, one thing we would like to do is give you guys both gifts. All right? So I'm going to give the gifts to you, and then I'm going to explain them to you. And if you really want the bag, you can have them, but that's fine. Um, one of the things we wanted to give you is a Bible. Now, this is the illuminated Bible. If you'd like to see what it looks like, you can. Uh, Jesse actually tends to carry one of these around. It has really great margins. And this is a place where we want you to be able to fill it up with stuff for baby Lucas. It's probably a little over his head right now. But you can fill it up with truths and principles that you want him to hear. Literally like little letters inside of God's love letter to him. Letters from you. All right? So there's that. All right? And additionally is what uh, is actually a really, a really cool book. And I can't get it out of the bag. Uh, it's called Theology. All right? Which is like theology, but theology. And uh, it basically runs like a little narrative story about the truths of God. Now, it's also a little bit over his head. But this is so you can start studying, too, because there's pictures. And then you can be ready for uh, him to read it to him when he gets older as well. So we as your church family absolutely love you. I know your family family out there also absolutely loves you as well. And we are excited to make this covenant with you guys. Awesome. You can sit down, please, because you're about to, like, pass out. (laughs) So hot. This baby is so hot on me. Just want to thank my family and also my church family. Uh, for being a part of this with us, and uh, we love you guys. Thank you.